when people take on new technology projects or they're going to innovate something, they don't know where their place is after the technology is innovated. They think they're being replaced by technology. But if you just explain to them how they're working with the technology to make their lives better and the job better and that they're not being replaced, it's elevating them to the next level, then they're less resistant. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, formerly known as Improv is No Joke, where it's all about believing that strong communication skills are the best way in delivering your technical accounting knowledge and growing your business. An effective way of building stronger communication skills is by embracing the principles of applied improvisation. Your host is Peter Margarita, CPA, aka The Accidental Accountant, and he will interview financial professionals and business leaders to find their secret in building stronger relationships with their clients, customers, associates, and peers, all the while growing their businesses. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 27, and my guest today is Samantha Bowling, who's an audit partner at the accounting firm of Garbleman Winslow in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Also, Samantha is the current chair of the executive board of the Maryland Association of CPAs. Now, this episode is focused on public accounting, but it also has great implications to the business and industry accounting professionals. So please listen to the entire interview and decide on how it affects your organization. Now, in March of 2016, artificial intelligence was introduced to the accounting profession when IBM and KPMG signed an agreement to bring Watson into KPMG's audit practice. Many of the small to middle-sized firms speculated that this technology was too expensive for their practices. Samantha looked at it just a little bit different. She felt that if the larger firms had this advantage, how long would it be until they would start taking some of the small to middle-sized firms' clients? She turned that question into action, and 18 months after IBM and KPMG's announcement, Samantha was able to bring artificial intelligence into her audit practice at an affordable price. Now, if you're a little skeptical or just mostly curious, then keep listening, and you'll learn how she did it. It is absolutely fascinating. I'm coming up on three years hosting this podcast, and a couple of really cool things have occurred that I'd like to share with you. In May of 2017, I was speaking at a conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, and one of the attendees, Stephanie Gates, mentioned that she and her boss listened to my podcast. I believe my jaw hit the floor. After I reinstalled my jaw, I gave Stephanie a copy of my book, Improv is No Joke, and thanked her for being a faithful listener. In December of 2018, I was an attendee at an artificial intelligence conference in Towson, Maryland. During the session, I asked a question. When the course was over, a gentleman walked over to me and asked me if I was Peter Margaritas. I hesitated. I wanted to say it depends, but I went, yes, I am. He said that he knew it was me because he recognized my voice. He gave me his business card, but somehow I have misplaced it. If you are listening to this podcast, please send me an email with your name and address, and I'm going to send you a copy of my new book, Taking the Numb Out of Numbers. And in March of 2019, I was teaching an ethics class at the Maryland Association of CPAs. 
When the class ended, one of the attendees, John Littleton, came up to me and said that he listens to my podcast. Now, I did have a book on me, and I think I'm pretty sure I can get his address, so I'm planning on sending him a copy of Taking the Numb Out of Numbers. So if anybody is listening to this podcast, sees me at a conference, a workshop, in an airport, or wherever, stop and say hello and let me know that you listen to the podcast. I will give or send you a copy of my latest book. This is a version of networking taken to a whole new level. I look forward to meeting you all. And now a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, a.k.a. The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a high-content and engaging speaker for your next conference? Do you want to deliver a story to stakeholders that will transform data dumping to engaging business conversations? Do you want to feel that the value a speaker provides your audience far exceeds the dollar value on their invoice? Then book Peter for your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Contact Peter at peter at petermargaritas.com and visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com. By the way, one of his Fortune 50 clients actually made the comment about the value he brings to your audience. Before we get to the interview, I want to share with you that Change Your Mindset is now being distributed on C-Suite Radio. You can find Change Your Mindset and many other outstanding business podcasts on C-Suite Radio by going to www.c-suiteradio, all one word, dot com. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Now, let's get to the interview with Samantha Bowling. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, I'm with my very special guest, Samantha Bowling, who is a partner in an accounting firm in Maryland, and we're recording this on March 15th. So first and foremost, Samantha, thank you for taking time out of your incredibly hectic, busy schedule to spend time talking with me today. You're very welcome. So you've been busy lately or just kind of kick back eating bonbons and watching Ellen? Just kicking back, no new tax laws, just hanging out. <laughs> I love the sarcasm. <laughs> Very busy this time of year. And um, Samantha, if you could give everybody just a little bit of your of your background so they kind of get to know you a little bit better. Sure. I am a partner at a very small public accounting firm. Uh, this firm only has about 15 employees, depending on the time of year. And we really just, I guess... We do everything small firms do except for government contracting. I am the audit partner at my firm, so I'm in charge of auditing, but I also do you know, individual corporate business, everything else. So I've been here for 25 years, started off as a staff accountant, worked my way up to partner. Um, this firm's been around for 75 years, and I hope it's going to be around for another 75 more years. <laughs> and the name of the firm is Garvin. Garbleman Winslow, and it's located in Prince Upper George's Mar- County. Yep, Prince George's County, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a small firm. And, and but I, I will have to say, you you are very humble, Samantha. You left something out of your bio that is. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm saying she knows what I'm going to say because she's got this grin on her face, this big wide smile. So let everybody know this little little bit of information that you left out of your your bio. Yeah, so I was nominated. First, was I was nominated for innovative practitioner of the role of 
gosh, innovative practitioner of the, of the year of the world of the year. Uh, <laughs> it feels like the world um, of the year um, in 2018 by CPA.com. And really that was for my experience in using AI in my audit practice that I started basically two years ago. And you were nominated. And then I won. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> the big surprise, I won. Imagine big- that. Yeah, imagine that she she was she was the winner of the Innovative Practitioner Award 2018. So if you think about what you've done, it was 18 months, 24 months ago, something where KPMG came out and said they've got an agreement with uh, IBM to bring Watson to the auditing practice, and everybody thinks Watson KPMG it must take a, a train full of money just to get that going. And you've said that you've got a small firm of only 15 people in Southern Maryland, and you won this award because you were able to bring artificial intelligence into the practice and make your audience practice much more stronger. Yeah, it's very exciting and fascinating because um, as being a member of council for AICPA, I heard the speech three years ago about KPMG, and I thought, well, as an audit partner, I'm going to probably lose a lot of revenue. Because if the large firms have Watson, I don't have anything. I'm not going to be able to do auditing anymore. And then I thought, well, what am I going to do? I really don't like tax. So I have to find a solution. <laughs> so, um, and I didn't think it would be really fair for the, you know, the monopoly to be large firms and doing auditing. So I came back to my office and started talking to my software providers and asked them first how they're implementing AI in my platform. And they said they weren't. They were only going to look into it for the large platform, large firm platform. So again, mm. large firm, a lot of money, willing to pay for it. So then I'm like, oh, well, maybe I really will be doing auditing. So then I just did what everybody else does. I started Googling <laughs> for an answer for AI, affordable AI. And then I just happened to come across a company called MindBridge. And I looked at their platform and they said they were willing, as a startup company, willing to work with me and let me try it out to see if it really worked. Because it was a Canadian company. They didn't really know how to get into the US markets. And I thought, I can't afford this software. It's probably not going to do what it says it's going to do. You know, mm. like salespeople tell you it's going to give you the world and it does nothing. And then you're just, <laughs> fr- and then you're just frustrated because it doesn't do anything you want it to do. And I asked my uh, managing partner if it was okay if I did this software. And he's like, I don't, think we're, I don't think we're ready to go to AI yet. I mean, really, is that really here? I'm like, no, it's here. We're going to go. And he's, he's like, if you want to try, go ahead. And then I did. And I was really just blown away of how it's going to transform the auditing world. And I'm really happy that it's accessible to everyone. So I, I have seen a demonstration. I ran to... I was speaking in, in, at, in LA at an accounting conference and one of their salespeople were speaking just before me. So I got a chance to sit and ask him a lot of questions and learn about it. I've seen the demo. It's quite fascinating. Can you describe this process that you go through with your clients and... and Basically, just having artificial intelligence sure. point you in that direction that you need to look. Well, the most fascinating thing is if, if you're familiar with auditing, it's all based on risk. It's a risk assessment in the beginning, and then, then you figure out your testing based on what your risk is. And really, to be honest, in the past, we were kind of guessing about risk. Especially if we didn't know anything about the client. We kind of were just like trying to get information, trying to access risk, but never ever do we have access to the risk at the transaction level. And that's where all the fraud occurs is at the transaction level. So what this software does is allows you to link your general ledger package 
directly to their platform. It analyzes every transaction that hits the general ledger, whether it's a disbursement, deposit, credit card, anything. And it says, based on those control points that are already built in the software, like normal accounting control points. And then it has the machine learning built in on top of it. So it's that extra machine learning where it says, okay, I have a bunch of transactions. I learn a lot about by having data. And then what does it make sense based on what this data has told me over this time period? And then it takes the transactions and puts them into buckets, the high risk, medium risk, low risk buckets. So you can target your testing or your sampling based on the highest risk transactions and then work your way down. So if you don't have a lot of high risk, you move to medium risk and then you move to low risk. And then actually in the low risk, you're doing the, the riskiest of the low risk transactions. So it gives you a starting point and I'm actually using it for risk assessment in the beginning of the audit to know how much risk is in this audit in the first place before I even either bid on the audit or even start working on it. Interesting. So you've got you've got a bucket of high risk out there. So naturally, you're going to look at all of those transactions in that bucket. Yep. Your medium risk, do you look at price points or what's the driver in that? Is that similar to what you're doing with the low risk, looking at those? Those dollar amounts. So, what if you tell it you want your sample size to be sixty transactions? It'll automatically say, "Okay, well, we're going to pull all the high risk, then the next medium risk, and then the rest are going to come from the low risk." So, it'll automatically do that for you. You don't even really have to do anything except for tell it how many transactions you want to look at. Now, you can go through the sample and say, "Okay, this is not a high risk transaction because I know." This was a unique thing that happened this year in that entity. And you can discount it. So then it'll remove it from the sample. So it's not just... It's not doing the work for you. It's telling you where to start and using your professional skepticism to figure out what's your next move. It's doing the work for you. It's not doing... Well, it's really not... It's doing the searching for you, like the risk analysis for you, but it's not doing the audit for you. Right, but it's 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 helping you to get there faster. Yes. So so there's there's all these children who are coming into our profession who will miss the 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 the, the experience of being locked in a conference room somewhere and digging through the bowels of a company through their files, looking for invoices, looking for source documents. That that they'll never experience that. I'm so happy for them. I mean. That's... <laughs> <laughs> There's a rite of passage out there. <laughs> no, no, we're supposed to make it better for the people behind us, not harder. They're not supposed to suffer like we did. Yeah. And actually, there I've found by using the software that my audit team is actually learning as to why a transaction is high risk. They're actually learning from picking their sample as opposed to before they hated looking at samples and didn't understand what they were doing. But they're actually learning from what the software is teaching them. Wow. Okay, well, I, I was going to go down a tangent and say they should get CPE for that, but I'll save that for later conversation. Okay. So one, you're, you're younger, obviously you're, you're at the staff level, I would say traditional mm-hmm. age. So they're loving the fact that they get, they get this technology. They're learning more about the profession, but they still have work that they have to do and execute and get the audit together. Yeah. And we're still looking at the documents that that support the high-risk transactions to make sure they really are substantiated or we have documentation for it. So it's we're still doing the work. We're just actually, for once, looking in the right direction. Before we would guess, you know, you haphazard sample and 
pray to God you get something that's you know wrong in the and in the past you just never never knew. So now you're actually targeting your audit based on where all the risk is. And is there within the program is there a materiality factor in there? I'm so glad you asked that because <laughs> there actually is, but I have not been using it. I've said no materiality level. I want to see where all the risk is and I don't care what the dollar amount is because our clients don't care. They don't care about materiality. They don't care about the fact that you're not looking at trans... Materiality before was to limit your size of transactions you're looking at. That's all it was for because you didn't want to have a million transactions look like. It had nothing to do with risk. But now that you're looking at the riskiest transactions, I don't think you should be using materiality. Oh, I love it. I love it. I get rid of the concept of materiality and being able to basically do a 100% audit. 100% risk-based audit, which is what we're supposed to be doing in the first place, if you think about it. Well, that's what the, the public perception, that will, <laughs> that will, that's what we've been doing for, for years and years. But in reality, it hasn't been until now. Yeah. Right. Right. Not until now. That just, makes, that just makes the profession so much stronger. I agree. Um, I totally agree. It, 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 yeah. So is, it, is AI fraud-proof? I would say nothing's fraud proof because okay. there's always manipulation of data. Like if somebody figures out the system, there's always going to be a manipulation of something in the data. So if somebody, I think eventually once all of the systems start talking together, so once you pull in like the AP and the AR ledgers and match them to the general ledger and then match them to the bank accounts, which was where we're going, you know, we have all this corroborating information in one place. Right now, we're just doing the general ledger and some AR and AP. So there's that crossover. But until we actually get to crossover with the bank side, you know, or the outstanding outside vendor side, maybe until that happens, I don't think it'll be 100% fraud proof. So are you describing just now blockchain in essence? Yes, I am. And that's still, that's still down the road. Yeah, I haven't gotten to that yet. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a process right now that is in place, RPA, Robotic Process Automation. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Where these these bots, per se, are doing the reconciliations of AR and AP in the same manner that you're, that you're doing the reconciliation, you're looking at the general ledger, looking for those high risk and pointing the people in the direction on where they need to uh, investigate. And we're actually going towards bots for bookkeeping in the summer. This summer, so I'll let you know how that goes. Uh, okay, now, now, so you're looking at going to bots this summer, yes. and and for bookkeeping for some of the smaller clients who use who may not be on a sophisticated GL system. Yeah, who are using like QuickBooks Online or Zero or things like that, or just desktop QuickBooks. Yeah. Okay, so I use QuickBooks Online, so you could this bot could reconcile. All of my accounts that are in QuickBooks, like my credit card, my bank yes. statement, so on and so forth. Yep. And it can send you a little email that says, we don't know where to code these transactions <laughs> because it doesn't have any learning. It doesn't have any history. So if there's a new transaction, it may not know where to code it. So it'll send you this little email that says, we don't know where these things are supposed to go. Could you help us out? And then once you tell it, it'll remember and it won't ask you again. Well, if I, if I think that QuickBooks does a little bit of machine learning because after a certain transaction in a while, it will automatically start putting in some of those little bells and no, whistles. That is not machine learning. Oh, that's that, okay. Thank you for <laughs> correcting me. <laughs> well, I was corrected on it because I really always thought QuickBooks Online had some kind of AI in it, but no, that's just rules based. Oh. 
it's rules-based. So it sets up a rule. Once you tell it a transaction, it sets a rule. So whenever it sees that rule transaction, it knows we have this rule in place. It's always going to go there. As opposed to AI knowing that if you go to the grocery store, Safeway, it's usually groceries. If you go to a gas station, it knows any gas station, Exxon, Shell, whatever, it knows it's gas. So that's kind of the difference. Oh, okay. I, I got it. And, it. and it continues to... That was the one thing when we were talking to AI and, and uh, I was listening to Amy Vetter do a presentation at a, at a conference and, and trying to go, wait, machines can learn? And yes. but that, that concept was like really foreign to me. But after listening to her and then hearing it, I understand how the machine begins to learn. And, and actually, I'm a type 1 diabetic and the uh, insulin pump that I have basically is a mini AI because it learns based off of algorithms and stuff on what my blood potentially can yep. do and based on this and that. And it's it's actually amazing. It's almost really like having a, a real life pancreas that, yep. I just, that I just wear on my belt. That's true. So true. So you're going down the road of bots because I see bots being a big asset in, in an organization. Now, what about your clients? So that first client that you went up to and said, you know what, this year, we're going to do something a little bit different. We want to download your GL into this artificial intelligence. Well, so, and that was going to charge them for it. So I wasn't going to eat the cost of this software because I saw the value in it. So mm-hmm. I went to my audit clients and I said, you know, we had this engagement letter. This was the original fee for the engagement letter. I'm going to do a change order on this audit because I'm gonna have a, I have a new staff on board and it's AI. And inst- let me explain what this AI does. And I said, this is how we used to do an audit. You know, we used to guess, look at your sample. And we tell them that every year what an audit is. But this year, I'm going to look at all the transactions. And I'm going to base my sample on risks so that you'll have a better feeling about what I'm actually looking at and what the audit is. So I'm going to charge you a software charge for my AI, AI Helper, and then um, next year, if you opt out, I'm giving them a chance to opt out of AI. Okay. Then my original thing is, if you opt out of AI, it's going to cost you more because mm-hmm. it's, it's a riskier audit for me. Or, but now I'm to the point: if you're not going to use it, I'm not going to do your audit. Oh, okay. And I'm standing strong to that. So I have had some new proposals for audits, and I'd say, well, before I even do your audit or even make a proposal, I'd have to put your ledger into my AI platform and figure out what the risk is, so I can make an educated guess about the fee, so nobody's surprised. I don't. I want to know at the beginning what I'm getting into, and then you should know in the beginning how much it's going to cost you. So, and I've had two say no problem, and I've had one say no way, and I'm like, okay, well, find another auditor. Just not going to do it. Wow. That's, I mean, that, that's a great pricing tool. Yeah. Just, and the, the, just think about all those things that you did in the past that you wish you would have built more for because <laughs> you, you knew what you were getting into. And auditing is the worst place to get into that because you just really have no idea what you're getting into. Yeah, especially with, with a brand new client. And you right. know, why, why, did you, why did you leave your other CPA? And you know, there's a, not the full transparency of truth, but of course, pull, being able to take that GL and dump it in, go, oh, Okay. Now I know why. Now I know why you left your other CPA. Yeah. And now do do we as a firm want to take this client on because of the risk? There's a risk reward pricing component. Yeah. But I, I would assume at some point, if you get something that's extremely risky, it's like, uh, no way, Jose. Yep, exactly. How else are you using this? So that's really the only two ways that we've been using it is for a risk assessment, new audits, and then 
our sampling, our audit sampling. We want to start using it for like outsourced CFO for internal audit departments to say, hey, where's your risk? Don't you want to know your risk is before your auditor comes in? You know, because this would be a great tool for controllers because they don't have time to look at everything that their staff's doing. They just don't have time. So if they could actually just look at the riskiest things, wouldn't that be great for them? Yeah, that would be. Yeah. So we haven't done anything with it, to be honest, except for the auditing side. But I... Mm -hmm. There's so much potential for this software that I think it can be used in, in our review engagements that we have just to look at them, just to say, hey, maybe, or even like another service, like where's the risk in your general ledger? Do you know what your bookkeeper's doing or do you not know what this person's doing? Or are there really risky transactions in there that you should be aware of? Oh, you, you could use that just with not-for-profits. There was uh, in the news here, some lady had been embezzling for years from some not-for-profit and finally got caught 10 years later. AI yeah. would AI would have you know, caught her. Oh, with that year that it happened. Because if you have... I'll give you a perfect example. So I had a nonprofit. This is a real example. I had a nonprofit who was paying rent and normal rent, they pay their rent does not fluctuate every month. But for some reason, one month they um, paid like, I don't know, for let's say $4,000 more than they would normally pay for rent. So um, MindBridge automatically said, well, this is high risk because it doesn't match what I've learned every month of what the rent would be for this organization. So I'm going to say it's high risk. So it automatically pulled that transaction high risk. And then the one time they paid the wrong vendors because somebody was in... They had a new person in their accounting department that paid somebody else's bill accidentally. It was a total accident. But it flagged the transaction because it knows when you when you pay your rent, it's always this person. Mm-hmm. The fact that you pay somebody different is a red flag. You should really look at that transaction. So that would have caught... I know what frauds you're talking about. That would have caught that because all these people kept changing vendors for the same classification of expenses. Interesting. So... uh your most are you using this on all of your auditing clients AI? Yeah, and it's and I do nonprofits. Those are my audits. So, which is a lot of risk because you have a bunch of people that change over. There's different board of directors, and so when I didn't turn on the materiality, the funniest thing you'll love this. I got one transaction that was I don't even know like eighty seven dollars. I'm like, who cares? It's eighty seven dollars, right? And I'm like, whatever. I'm. It said high risk. I'm going to look at it. So I said, I asked for the documentation on the $87 and they're like, oh, well, this was a personal charge from an officer on his, on the nonprofit's credit card. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, really? I'm like, why did it pick this? Because the AI learned all the credit card transactions never was this vendor ever charged on a credit card. And it obviously was a personal expense. So what did I do? I pulled all the credit card statements from this officer to find out how many personal expenses. And there were a ton of them on this person. And it's very easy to do. I'm not saying it was intentional, but because you pull out the wrong credit card when you're somewhere or whatever. But just think if that wasn't caught, how long that would have gone on? And then what would have that led to? Because they would have thought, well, it's not material because they're looking at the stuff that's under, I don't know, over $50,000, which, you know, so they know that People know that there's a materiality amount. So they know you're not looking at the stuff that's below that. Oh my God. Just think about the expense report fraud that could be uncovered. Yes. Oh, like the duplicate of reimbursements. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I'm going to submit my receipt. Here's a copy for you guys to to submit. And it's the same thing. Yeah. That would just, that would almost just vanish. Yeah. That would be a fun summer project to to do is to institute AI. and, And I would think that these, Larger organizations are doing that right now. 
I would hope so because there it's definitely an amazing tool and there they would the money they would invest in the software would save them money probably in the fraud that was covered. So only now within your firm, only your clients are using are being used for AI with MindBridge. What about the other partners in the firm? Well, none of my other partners do audits. They're like Stay away. They don't want anything to do with auditing. <laughs> so, so, so you get, those are the tax guys. Yeah. So they're all doing, they're all doing tax. Um, and some of them do some bookkeeping work and compilations, but most of them are doing tax work. Okay. Yeah. So they'll just say, you take this and, and, and AI will never come into the tax world at all. Oh, no. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was sarcasm on my part. Okay. okay. <laughs> I told him eventually, um, you might want to find some other, other career because that's going to be automated. <laughs> Well, at least from the uh, uh, W-2, the, the individual personal returns, those are going to be... And I would love it because I still haven't got my tax stuff together. And I know my CPA is starting to scream at me <laughs> versus just having it all go into some place and I don't have to Well, touch. what should really happen is the IRS should send you a bill and say, this is your tax bill. Do you agree or don't you agree? And if you don't agree, go see a CPA to fix it is where I think it's going to end up. Hmm, interesting. Because they're already getting the the documents electronically. They right. are. It's just a matter. Of, they don't have. I don't think the sophisticated systems to compile all that information actually. Put in. Yeah, like a Schedule C. Right. Yeah, yeah. Th- that will be later. But I'm, I with the yeah. W twos and the basic returns, that definitely could be all done by the IRS. Yeah, and, and I, I believe that's sooner than later. That, oh, absolutely. That, that'll be in my career. I guarantee it within yeah. the next five. Eight years. I would. I was going to say. I was going to say three to five. Oh, I would, that would be awesome. <laughs> I hope so. So here's a question. I, I when you think of CPA, you think of what we do, and you think about artificial intelligence. Will we still have the need for Excel? That's a good question. I guess it depends. I would say yes. Until if you look at a lot of our clients, they're using these legacy platforms, even larger clients are using legacy platforms. So in order to get their information into these AI platforms, they have to go to Excel first because their systems are so antiquated, they can't get it to the AI platform. So we're going to still need Excel. Okay. For a little bit, for a little bit longer. Yep. Okay. All yeah. Right. Um, so let, let's change gear for a moment. Uh, you are currently the chair of the executive board for the Maryland Association of CPAs. I am. A huge honor. Technically, Tom Hood, I hope you're listening. Technically, <laughs> you're Tom Hood's boss. I can't even fathom that. I feel like he, he's definitely my boss. I, I, I worship, honor him. Yeah. So I follow him. I will follow him wherever he goes. So he was the, uh, and, you know, it doesn't surprise me that somebody who's been on the board, who's been around Tom for such a long time, saw this opportunity and jumped on AI because Tom's been preaching about it, talking about it way before the AICPA even put it on the agenda. Um, he's one of those rare visionaries out there that has, has done wonders for the profession. Yes, yes. So as being chair, and you mentioned you're part of, of AICPA council, what's, what's council talking about these days? What's, what's out in our future? What's, what's keeping AICPA awake at night? I think their, their biggest concern was Will small firms be able to adapt? Well, I mean, 
because I know Tom's been preaching for 20 years that you need to innovate. Uh, you need to use technology. And um, a lot of small firms kind of ignored that. So I think their biggest concern is small firms and will they remain relevant? Because they don't really want all the large firms doing all the work either. They want small firms to have the same opportunities. And I think they were really um, surprised that the AI platform was available to me at this early of an stage. So I think that's keeping them up at night because a large number of their membership is sole proprietors and small firms, if, believe it or not. <laughs> that's what makes up the, the, the accounting profession, the public accounting. So I, I can look at one, one or two ways. Either they're going to adapt to technology. Or they're going to close their doors. Or will firms like yourself take a strategy and say, maybe we can grow and start buying other firms. Are you crazy? All right, I did that once. I'll never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't adamant about that at all. I'm going to have to go get my ear, ear hearing fixed here in a second. <laughs> um, I, I will not even venture to even... If they're not paperless, like if there's a firm out there, a small firm that has paper and file cabinets, their firm is not worth anything and I'm not putting the work into it to convert them to the where they should be. I did right. it once and it was... It was a lot of work um, and I don't know the benefit was really there and the clients that we retained from that. So growth from a small firm like yourself is just word of mouth and, and bringing yes. in more clients and growing organically per se and hiring more, more folks. Yes, that's true. Most of our work is from referrals, word of mouth. Okay. So how has AI changed the way your staff have to integrate. There's less bean counting per se, number crunching, yeah. uh, and there's more communication. The problem is our clients are not where they should be either. So we're trying to move them like kicking and screaming into the 21st century. So as you can imagine, a firm that's been around for 75 years has clients that have done paper who have handwritten journals who still handwrite checks that refuse to move into the 21st century. So now it's our responsibility to get all of our clients, since we're where we should be, I feel, for now anyway, for today, of course, I could change tomorrow, um, is getting our clients to where they should be and being innovative and not being afraid to grab onto technology and realize how really good it is for them. Why is everybody so fearful? Why is so... I mean, I, I think... To, I, I'll use my wife as an example. Uh, she was a, a general manager for Macy's uh, for 25 years, had one, uh, the, a huge store here in the Columbus area. She's a little fearful of technology, uh, actually so much so that her boss once called her technically Amish. Oh, that's great. I've never heard that. <laughs> Technologically Amish. And, and, and it's, it's, there's this, but if you don't adapt to, we're never going to go back. We're not going to go back to the flip phone. I think the problem is when people take on new technology projects or they're going to innovate something, they don't know where their place is after the technology is innovated. They think they're being replaced by technology. But if you just explain to them how they're working with the technology to make their lives better and the job better and that they're not being replaced, it's elevating them to the next level, then they're less resistant. I think they're afraid of being replaced by you know, the Terminator or something. I, I think that's what's happening. Right. And it also could go to the culture of the organization as well. Yeah. Uh, there was a firm in, in 
here in, in Ohio that uh, they they offered they gave training because they wanted to automate. And this is some years ago. Uh, instead of getting the report, typing it into Excel to upload it into Excel, uh, the workforce was heavily baby boomer and heavily millennial, and few of the baby boomers didn't think they had training, but were fearful of saying, "I didn't get it. I didn't understand." And they went back to what they were doing before, and ultimately they were fired. Um, so I think it also goes to within how much the C-suite per se has embraced that technology, uh, yeah, and, commu- I, and communicated the, the benefits. And I also think, so let's say somebody is intimidated by technology. Maybe they're not the ones manipulating the data in the technology. They're using the, the higher level staff that's doing the analytical from the reports that was done. So these millennials can whip, snap, whatever, generate any kind of report. <laughs> I mean, they run circles around me, so they can do it, you know, ten times faster than I can. So figure out what people's strengths are and let them do that part. And then maybe the more resistant people just analyze the results and don't have to be involved with getting the technology to work. Okay, but it's getting them to, to, it's really getting them to understand that they are not, we can't say that all the time, they're not going to be replaced because I think some of the bot work, some folks will be replaced. Bookkeepers will be replaced for sure. But I have bookkeepers in my office, but, so what they're the stuff that they we replace they don't want to do anyway they don't want to be coding checks they don't want to be doing any of that crap so the fact that the bot's going to take that over for them they're thrilled because they know they're going to learn more by actually looking at the reports looking at the transactions and figuring out what a financial statement means so they're they're happy about it they don't want to be doing all that manual work they really don't and and the ability to use bots in a bookkeeping firm it's pretty much here yeah oh it's here Oh, it's here. Oh, it's here. So it's totally here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, well, I, 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 she just laughs at me all the time. Jody Paydar. Yeah, she's one of my friends. <laughs> yes, Jody. And, and I interviewed her a couple years ago, and she's talking about bots and stuff. And I'm like, huh? I don't, I don't get it. And then I, I saw her at the, um, at, at the dinner that night and, and uh, before the, um, before the summit, and she is partnering with Botkeeper. Yes, she is. And that's. that's- that's an amazing thing. So I'm really excited for her. I mean, we probably met when she first took over her dad's firm and was trying to get everything paperless. And I had told her that's when I first went into the cloud platform of accounting software a long, long time ago. That's a whole other story. But mm. um, and she's like, why did you do that? And I said, because I had a client that went to jail and I had to be able to do their stuff for them while they were gone. So I wanted to be able to have remote access to everything. <laughs> but so, she's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> So technology has always been my friend. Always, it's it's given me the advantage. It's you know, it's it's given me opportunities. It's never. I mean, I've picked bad softwares in the past, but um, you know, you fail fast. It's not working the way you think it's working. Then you know, move on, find the next one that's going to work for you. So, and you, I know you got a real close relationship with, with MindBridge because they ask you a lot of questions on how yes. they can improve their softwares, which has got to be. And, and do you go out and speak on their behalf at times? Sometimes I've gone to that. I got invited to the Canadian Embassy this past year just to listen to. They wanted some people locally to that were using the software to come because they were kind of doing their software pitch. I wasn't supposed to speak, but when I got there, someone. I guess there were some reporters there that were saying, "Well, you're salespeople. We don't really understand. You know, we don't know what you're saying, what you're talking about. We need to talk to your customer, one of your customers." And of course, I happen to be there. I'm like, oh, well, we have one here. Would you like to talk to me? <laughs> so then I, so 
I have volunteered to speak, um, but not really. And I do blogs for them just so other people know how I'm using the software because I think a lot of small firms think that they don't have access to the technology. So I want to make sure that they do have access and kind of explain in auditing terms what it's going to do for them. So by doing this and people hearing about you, does your email blow up? Does your phone ring off the hook? Um, Are you the go-to person for small businesses and AI? Pretty much. Yeah, I can always tell when Tom Hood's traveling. (laughs) The next day, I'll get like, I don't even know, 40 emails or something about, I heard Tom Hood speaking or whatever and heard you're using AI and da-da-da-da, whatever. Yeah, so I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about it because I feel like the more we talk about it, the more small firms get involved with it and the better we are as a profession. Well, in full transparency, that presentation I did out in LA, Tom was already booked. So they asked if I would go do this. And I said, yes, I would. And I'm reading this, going through his stuff and seeing this firm, Garbleman and Winslow and trying to put... What? Trying to get my head wrapped around it. I got it wrapped around enough. And then I put it all together. Wait, you're the person at at the, the firm with the AI and the mind bridge. And then it all came in came into fruition and that t- hearing them speak then, hearing them and you speak at the AI conference in Maryland in December really helped me understand more about how AI will help an, a firm, will help a company. And, and a lot of times will not replace, but they're there to help us do our jobs better. Better, exactly. It's, it's helping us do what we should have been doing all along. But we just didn't have the technology. We didn't have the technology to do it. Yep. Yeah, didn't Moore's law hadn't quite caught up to where we are <laughs> are, are are today. And and so, how do you see this? You know, five years from now, I mean, I remember Jody said we'll, we'll have bots on our on our desks, and I just kind of laughed at her. And I think she said, "Do you do you have a? I have to be careful who's in the room because I could. Do you have Alexa?" On my desk, I said, "Yeah, that's a basically a box." Have, I'm showing you my. That's my Hi. Alexa. Hi, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got that. I've got, I, I'm playing with that and Google Home, trying to figure out which is the best one. And actually, from a speaker's perspective, uh, Amazon there's Amazon Blueprint where you can go out and program your own Alexa. And I'm in the process of doing that because I want my Alexa to do my introductions from now on. Sweet. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some neat stuff that's going on out there. But as it relates within the accounting world, what's next? Is it, is it blockchain? Is that what's ultimately the, the, the missing component that ties everything together? I think so, especially with more of this, um, the currency, electronic currency, they're going to have to use blockchain to validate all this stuff. That's definitely going to be in our future. Now, small firms might not see that right away because we don't have as many international companies that we're auditing. But um, that's definitely the next thing. But I am curious to see where the line's going to go between fraud audits and regular audits. Because I'm really worried about what if I do this audit and I find fraud. Fraud's like serious fraud because I'm not doing fraud audits. I'm doing gap audits. So if I came across something that I thought was a fraudulent transaction in the past, I would add my client hire a forensic auditor because I didn't have the knowledge to do it. So, but what is, but is the AI going to be my forensic auditor? Or is there going to be no line now between gap and forensic auditing? Is it just going to be auditing? 
I don't know. I don't know where that's going. So I'm kind of curious to see where that's going. And I'm anxious for our standards to catch up to where we need to be so that I don't have to keep looking at all of these things when really it should just be based on risk. Right. And that's interesting. So would fraud auditing, forensic accounting, just be accounting? Yeah, just be auditing. Just be auditing. Just be it's part of the audit. It's just part of the audit. That is a that is an interesting insight. How what, how will that transpire? I, I don't know. Huh? Has has uh, anybody at AICPA made any comments about that? Not that I'm aware of. No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to New York actually on Monday, so oh. I'll bring it up. They have a council meeting in March <laughs> in New York. I, yeah, we in Ohio, we would either go to Chicago or to New York. And a couple of times we went, went to New York. I, I like New York better. Uh, yeah, it's, it's... It's a nice change of scenery. Yeah, you, you should ask Barry. Uh, yeah, I'll have to ask him. What do you think about this? It'd be interesting to get his perception on it. I haven't thought about that. Now, now I've got something to ponder over the weekend and, and, and explore a little bit. How would that, how would that transpire? Um, is there anything that you... I have to ask this question. You're very busy. You're a very busy lady. I mean, all the stuff that you do. Uh, you have a family at home. I have a husband and a dog. <laughs> a husband and a dog. <laughs> yeah. And a ton of nieces and nephews. Yeah. Okay. So that, I, I, always, I always ask, you know, the, the, the home piece. I, was, I interviewed uh, the episode before this one, uh, Kimberly, Ellison Taylor. And she's got three kids and, and a husband. And, and she's all over the place. And, and even with just, you know, just being, having a relationship and in this profession, it's challenging. Uh, for what you do, so I, I, I want to. I don't know. Never met your husband. Don't know his name, but I want to give a big shout out to him. His name is David, and you should because <laughs> he sacrificed a lot, <laughs> and he's a great supporter. I could not have done everything that I've done without his support. Okay, so David, congratulations, uh, and uh, keep up the good work. I mean, she's doing. She, your wife is doing some fabulous stuff here, and, and you got to tell me the name of the dog, Cooper. <laughs> And what, what kind of what kind of dog is Cooper? He's a yellow lab. Oh, so sweet! My my wife cannot listen to this episode because we have a black and a chocolate lab. Oh, they're she's the all, sweetest dogs. She's always wanted a blonde lab. <laughs> she could borrow mine anytime. <laughs> yeah, they're just they are the great dogs. They, they just, they're excited to see you every time you come home, and they'll almost eat anything in sight. Yes, they will. Well, Samantha, thank you so very much. I've enjoyed our, our conversation. I, I applaud everything that you're doing and, and bringing smaller firms up into the 21st century and, and, and hopefully beyond. Uh, if I could ever help you with anything, please don't let me do your taxes or anything like that. But if I can be of any assistance, please don't hesitate to contact me. And I wish you all the best luck. And you still have, it's like 3.14 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. She still has eight more hours of work to do today. If I'm lucky, it's only eight. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Now that you listened to this episode, what are your next steps in the pursuit of new technology into your organization? Will you take CPE and focus on the latest technology? If so, then look for courses being taught by Amy Vetter. Amy is an expert in this field, and I interviewed her on my very first episode of Change Your Mindset podcast, which was formerly known as Improv is No Joke. 
Or will it be to learn more about how AI can assist you in your business? If I may suggest, go visit MindBridge's website at M-I-N-D-B-R-I-D-G-E dot A-I. Full transparency, I'm not being paid or receiving any compensation for this suggestion. I've seen the demonstration and I've attended an AI conference that they spoke about this technology and it was fascinating. Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and share this episode with a friend. Also, please visit www.c-sweetradio.com and listen to many of the excellent business podcasts that they have in their network. Thank you. Like what you just heard, visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Sweet Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.